Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Barnabas and Paul are sent out by the church on their first missionary journey from Antioch to Cyprus. And uh, you know the story, if you were with us, while in Cyprus, the governor, his name is Sergius Paulus, the governor, heard about their ministry, and he asked to hear the truth of the gospel. And then there was this guy, he was kind of like the governor's personal sorcerer, you know, personal evil person on staff. And his name was Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus, or Eliamus. You remember that? And, and Eliamus, he was kind of like the spiritual advisor to Sergius Paulus. And Eliamus tried to frustrate and hinder the gospel. And so Saul, remember we talked about it, give me your attention, Remember Saul, who was called Paul, that's where his name changed last week. Saul, who was called Paul, had enough of this guy, and he turned, and the Bible says he looked at him intently. And what I wouldn't have given to have the DVD of that one. I can imagine what Paul looked like. As he looked at him intently, the Bible says, and he called him the son of the devil, you know, I find it interesting that Paul wasn't into being politically correct. He says, you son of a devil. You do that nowadays. It's like, oh, why do they got to be all that? Why they got to be a son of the devil? Why you got to be all rude? Saul didn't care anything about that. Paul didn't care anything about that. He looked at the guy intently. He locked eyes on him and said, you son of the devil. And God struck him with blindness for a season, the Bible says. And remember, we talked about this. Sergius Paulus then goes on to become a believer. And he didn't become a believer because of the wondrous miracle. He became a believer because of the word. He didn't look at the miracle and say, oh, wow, what a miracle. I need to become a Christian. Although I'm sure that the miracle had some play in there and some, you know, power and impetus to to cause him to become a believer. But what the Bible tells us is that he became a believer because of the teaching of the word of God. That's where we left off last week. We pick up this morning in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. And y'all pray for me because we got a lot to cover. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. amen. And when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Pergia in Pamphylia, and John noticed this, departing from them, 
return to Jerusalem. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Paul, Barnabas, and the boys. They leave the island of Cyprus, and they came to Pergia in Pamphylia. It was at that point, and listen to me closely, it was at that point that John Mark went back to Jerusalem. Why? We don't know why. Maybe John got homesick for mommy. Maybe he was getting afraid of the dangerous terrain that that they would be traveling through the mountains and the, the, the travel ahead of them. Maybe he was uncomfortable with Paul. I mean, maybe he saw Paul cause blindness to come on Eliamus, and maybe he thought, maybe Paul, he's got a bad temper. I mean, what if I say something wrong? What's going to happen to me? Maybe he thought that. Maybe he thought, maybe he got jealous of the team that God had built between Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were like Batman and Robin. Paul and Barnabas were like the dynamic duo. Paul and Barnabas, they kind of balanced each other because Barnabas means encourager or son of encouragement. And Paul, you know, I mean, Barnabas was a nice guy. Barnabas was a, a gentle guy. Barnabas was a meek guy. Barnabas was a guy who would reconcile and restore. On the other hand, Paul... Paul was Paul would get upset. I mean, if you were here last week, you know he struck that guy with blindness. Later on in the book of Acts, some King Agrippa, I think it is, slaps him. And Paul looks at him and says, you know, I'll slap you. <laughs> whitewashed tomb. I mean, that was an insult in those days. I mean, if somebody called you a whitewashed tomb today, it would be no big thing. You'd go, so? <laughs> like they're telling you off, man, you whitewashed tomb. You'd be like, duh, so? In those days, that was a huge insult because it spoke of the outside being all white and clean, but the inside, you were dead. So maybe John saw these things, and maybe, you know, you could see the, the, the team that God had built between Barnabas and, you could, you, and, Barnabas and Paul, and, and maybe John saw those things, and maybe John got jealous of that. Because John was the cousin to Barnabas. And maybe John saw God using Paul. Now Paul begins to take the leadership in the ministry as they travel. Notice in verse 13, it says, Paul and his party. And from now on, you see Paul begins to lead the team. And Paul takes the lead in ministry. So maybe John Mark got jealous of that. Whatever the reason, we really don't know. But we do know that Paul didn't appreciate John Mark leaving the team and going home. And it caused, watch this, it caused a riff and it caused contention between the relationship of Paul and Barnabas. If you, in your own time, fast forward to Acts chapter 15, just around verse 36, in your own time, it tells us that Paul and Barnabas are preparing to go on another missionary journey. And apparently, Mark came back to the church at Antioch, and Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on this second missionary trip. But Paul said, no way. Paul says, I'm I'm not going to take him on this trip, because the last time he was with us, he bailed on us. And Barnabas wanted Mark to go, and Paul didn't. And things got so sharp, and the contention was so bad, that Barnabas and Paul 
went their separate ways. And Paul took Silas with him in the ministry. And Barnabas, you guessed it, took Mark with him in the ministry. And get this, although they parted because of contention, although they parted because of disagreement, parted separate ways, yet God blessed both their ministries. Isn't that interesting? Now, what does that tell us? Well, that tells us that God will bless Leaders, even though they have disagreement. God can and can, you know, there there are people who look at that situation and they, you know, some of these scholars, they sit in their ivory towers and try to figure out, you know, who was right, Paul or who was right, Barnabas, you know, who was right in this contention. And I'll tell you, I really think both of them are right. I think they both were right. And I think they both were right. And I think that it is God who allowed this contention. Now watch this and listen close. It is God who allowed this contention between Paul and Barnabas so that God can kind of get double the ministry effort out of them. It was God who allowed it. God allowed the contention so that Paul would go his separate way with Silas. And Barnabas would go his separate way with John Mark. And thus they're getting more ministry for the time. And God is the God of those kinds of situations as well. God is the God, even though we disagree, even though leaders disagree, that's okay. God can be the God of that also. You know, oftentimes when you're having difficulty or problems or contention or disagreement or unsettledness, or if you're in ministry, listen, you can probably relate Sometime when you're in ministry, you, you have this feeling of uh, a lack of, of being a part of it. Or you have a feeling of, of separateness. Or you have a feeling that, 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 you, that you're really not a part of what's going on. Listen, could it be that God is allowing those feelings of discontentment because he has another work for you to do? God wants to move you on. And sometimes God will allow the feelings of discontentment. God will allow disagreement in order to move you on. Why is it that when people move on and because of some disagreement or because of some contention, we automatically think that's a bad thing? Have you ever thought of that? Sometimes disagreement, contention Strife between two individuals could be God sovereignly moving that person and causing them not to be satisfied in this place so that he can move you on to another place. Say amen if you think you know what I'm talking about. And so I'll hear, you know, oh, Pastor Ronnie, you know, this person, somebody left the church and this person left the church and this family moved from the church. And I think, you know, hey, that's a good thing. It's what? Yeah, that's a good thing. Sometimes, and I mean this in the best way, sometimes there are blessed attractions. <laughs> are you feeling me? <laughs> sometimes it's nice when folk go away. I'll be like, bye. See ya. Especially with some family members. You know, sometimes, you ever feel happy when you put the family on the plane? They, they go on and you go, oh. <laughs> it's a blessed attraction, man. 
And, and even in the church, you know, there, there's, a, there's a blessed subtraction. See, now I have that view and I have that position because I understand that the church does not belong to Rodney. I understand that the church belongs to Jesus. I understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not Calvary Chapel. Just because a person doesn't go to this church, it doesn't make them a sinner. You know, we think, oh, a sinner. They don't go to Calvary Chapel. Listen, all I care is that they go to some church. They don't have to be a member at this church. That's one of the reasons why, saints, we don't have membership here at Calvary Chapel. We don't have membership here because the only book that your name needs to be recorded in is the book of life. And if your name is not recorded in the book of life, then you're not a member. I don't care how many churches you join. The law doesn't require church membership. The law doesn't require me to keep up with y'all. You got to sign our documents and swear your allegiance to Calvary Chapel. No, if you're not a born-again believer, you don't know Jesus, you can't be a member. The church membership, really, in the signing the role serves no purpose. You know, people, you know, how many people go to your church? We have church membership, yeah? Well, how many people go to church? Oh, well, I don't know, according to our church membership records, we have uh, 45,000 people. <laughs> really, how many come, in, come on Sunday? 105. <laughs> 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 well, because the church has been around and, and old as rice, and, 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 and you know, they've been co- co- you've been collecting names from people since, since Jesus was on the earth. And we're all these people, you know, 39% of them are dead. The others don't come to church. And what's the point? If you're not a born-again believer, the church belongs to Christ. If you're not a believer, you can't join. Period. And if you are a believer, then your name is written in the book of life and you're already a member of the church. So God can move his members. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Amen. God can move his members from here to there, from here to there. And sometimes God chooses to use discontentment and, and, and disagreement to move you on to the place he wants you. And I have seen this happen where people move on because of whatever, like, oh, I ain't feeling at Calvary Chapel anymore. It's boring. I don't even like Pastor Roddy's messages no more. Okay, I've never heard that. But, but... <laughs> I don't even like it there anymore, you know. And, and, and then they get over to another place, and then the, the, the people welcome them, and they're loved, and they're used, and they're powerfully, mightily. God starts using their life and blessing them and, and sending them forward in ministry. I see them years later in the supermarket. Hey, how you been? Great, man. God, you know what? I, I love you guys. God's really using me over there. Great. And I want you to know, Pastor Rodney, no hard feelings, nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's all good, man. It's all about the kingdom. It's not about your church. And God uses things to move people on. Yeah, we need to be careful, you know, at the same time and be mindful that we aren't quitting for the wrong reasons as well. Because we see that happening a lot, where people are just being immature and things don't go their way. It could be that Mark bails when things start to get rough and things don't go his way. And maybe there's, the pressure is on and now, you know, he wants to run home. That's possible. We need to be mindful of that. 
But at the same time, also be mindful that God uses discontentment and disagreement to further the ministry, saints. You understand? Say amen. amen. Very, very important. Now, we need to thank God for people like Barnabas. We need to thank God for the Barnabases of the world because Barnabas was a man who reconciled people. Barnabas was a man who would seek to restore people. And Barnabas got his cousin Mark and took him in the ministry. And it's very interesting because when Mark went home to Jerusalem, Barnabas could have said, you know what, that's it, man. We can't use you anymore. But he didn't do that. God didn't do that. God wanted to use, use uh, Mark. And, and, you know, we, we talk about that God is the God of a, of, of a second chance. Well, I believe God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance. I believe God is the God of many chances. Amen, saints? And God is giving Mark another chance. He has given him another chance because obviously Mark comes back from Jerusalem to Antioch. And it's there that Barnabas kind of picks up with him and travels in the ministry. Somehow we know that Mark and Peter kind of join ministry together. And around that time, Mark, this is the same Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark. Think if God had given up on him, we would never have the gospel of Mark, which is a beautiful, beautiful gospel, by the way. It's short, sweet, and a beautiful gospel. So God continues to use him. Now, Barnabas is also a reconciler because even at the end of Paul's ministry, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, Paul is ready to die. And in 2 Timothy 4, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because Mark is useful to me in the ministry. Isn't that beautiful? That's just beautiful. At the end of Paul's life, he reconciled with Mark. And he says, bring Mark, because he's useful for the ministry. There's healing and there's reconciliation. Now, let me tell you something that you might not know. In the Roman world, in the time in which Acts 13 was written, particularly in Perga, in Pamphylia, this area was known as an area that was filled with pirates, thieves, bandits, malaria, This was a malaria-infested area. Now, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 13 through 15, I have that on the screen for you. It says, you know that because of physical infirmity, and I believe that Paul is talking about malaria, this malaria that maybe affected his eyes, because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, temptation and testing, and sickness, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, this is what Paul says, and this is why many believe that this malaria affected his eyes, that he had some kind of eye sores. He says, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Now, I want you to notice something about this text. Notice Paul says, because of the physical infirmity. In other words, listen, this is very important. In the Greek construction of this text, 
it literally reads or literally means because of the sickness, because of the illness, God used the sickness, God used the illness so that I would come to this area to preach the gospel. I'm going to say that again in case you were asleep. He says, Paul says, because of the sickness, because of the illness, God used the sickness and the illness to cause me to come to that area to preach the gospel. Now listen, I bring this to your attention because there are people who will tell you, if you're a saint, you should never be sick. You ever heard that? If you're a saint... You should never be sick. Christians should never be sick. Listen, the Bible is filled with people who got sick. Elisha, we know in 2 Kings chapter 13, was sick and depressed. And his sickness led to death. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, was sick, which led to his death. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Because Timothy has sickness. Listen, if you're a believer, you are going to get sick at some time. Listen, you're going to get a cold. That's why they call it the common cold. Somebody say amen. And I'm amazed at how people want to preach and tell you that you should never be sick a day. If you're sick, that's a lack of faith and sit on your part. And yet the next week they'll preach a sermon about God being a healer. Well, listen, if you know God is a healer, then you must have been sick at some time. This is not rocket science work, people. How can he heal you if you've never been sick? But they go, oh, no, Christians are never to be sick. Listen, some most wonderful, wonderful people. I don't even have time. I want to read you a story, but I don't have time. They're wonderful people, particularly Joni Erickson Tata, wonderful woman of God who is that God can use sickness for his glory. God can use sickness for his glory. Listen, everyone's going to get sick. Someday, everyone's going to leave the planet. Whether you get sick and leave the planet, or you get hit by a car and leave the planet, or you get hit by a train and leave the planet. This is a really uplifting message, isn't it? You're going to be killed, people. Somehow, some way, God's plan and purpose, he's going to take you home. He's going to use something, or you just go to sleep at night and you don't wake up. Something is going to take you home. God's sovereignty, God's plan and choice of how that happens is between God and God. But the reality is you're going to leave the planet someday and maybe sickness will take you off the earth. But the point is, is that if you get sick, then glorify God even while you're sick. You talk about Joni Erickson Tata, a wonderful woman. You know that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That was written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was blind from six weeks old of her life. And she was a beautiful, beautiful, godly woman who, who, who glorified God even in her blindness. And when asked where, she, you know, why did God give her, you know, give her blindness and gave everyone else sight. She said, I would rather be blind all of my days here on earth because the first 
face when I'm in the presence of God, the first face that shall gladden my heart will be the face of Jesus. Some preacher answered that question. Amen. Amen. I'll wait. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But we're, we need to glorify God even if, are, are you sick here? Now look, do I believe in supernatural healing? Absolutely, positively. God can do whatever God wants to do. That, my friend, is what makes him God. He does whatever he wants. I tell people, Christianity 101, got to learn this. God is God and you're not him. Amen. And let him be God. And whatever he chooses, he is right. Whatever he says, it is good. Whatever he does, it's just. And it's beautiful. Because he is God. Well, look at verse 14. See, I told you all ain't praying. I told you. But when they departed in verse 14... From Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and they sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, let's hear it. Now, he's talking to Paul and Barnabas. Remember, now I want you to understand something. See, in the synagogue in those days, they didn't have a half hour praise and worship. And they didn't have, you know, some of the things we have in church today. In the synagogue in those days, they would open in with a scripture and with a daily reading. And then the ruler of the synagogue would sit down and expound the text. Oftentimes in those days, if a teacher was there to teach, the teacher would sit down and teach, and the people would stand and listen, which I like that model. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.